Welcome to our new podcast series, Asked and Answered, a question and answer style session with Ron and Karis Pierce. Do you have a question you'd like to see answered? If so, we would love to hear it. Simply go to askus at ronpierce.org to get in touch. Remember to check back often to see if your question has been answered. My name is Joy Kita, and always, I will be your host. Today we're answering the question, is missions different now than in the past? I think this is a great question. I mean, the world is different, so it stands to reason that things certainly must have changed by now. Oh, it has. Huge changes, Joy, in 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 the past 250 years when it comes to what missions has done, how the gospel has been proclaimed around the world, technology, transportation, everything is different now than it was before. Availability of scripture, which was not all that available back in the early days of missions, is now everywhere. We've got the internet that's taking the gospel around the world. So, yes, but let's, let's start at the beginning. Um, the modern missions movement um, started somewhere around 1750. And that's when really the earliest missionaries like the Adoniram Judsons, Hudson Taylors, uh, Livingston, um, all of those went out to various parts of the world where there was complete darkness. They went on sailing ships. They didn't take an airplane. And they go to these countries, set up shop, establish themselves, stay there primarily for the rest of their lives, give their lives to it, and then for the first time to whole countries bring the gospel, the explanation of who is Jesus. That went on for a long period of time. And the more and more missionaries started to go out after following their footprints and go out to these various countries, and there was a good force. But it was after the First World War, and then again after the Second World War, there was a great surge of missionary activity. And that kept going and after the two wars, they just kept proliferating around the world till there was a very strong force somewhere in about the middle of the 1980s. Um, there was a strong, well-funded missionary force, people going out from various countries of the world to these countries that were very, very, uh, having very small churches, okay, national churches. So that all changed around 1989 to 1991. And we trace it at Empower that there were three events that really sparked this off. One is the Tiananmen Square. Two is the fall of communism in Russia. And three is the Berlin Wall coming down. Those are the three things that happened that it's noticeable how it affected the world. Okay, so I hear what you're saying, and yet those things sound way more political than spiritual. Well, the two are tied together many, many times. And the way the world goes, that's the way missions goes. And therefore, what it, what it spelled was that communism was falling apart. And that's what we're talking about when you're talking about Russia, East Germany, and China. Communism was broken. And that's when we started to see how everything else was breaking around it. In other words, all the great world religions and the Hinduism and the Buddhism and all of the other religions, people were waking up around the world to ask good questions. Remember, it was around the early 90s when computers started to come on the scene in right. the world. Yeah. And then after that, the internet came on. 
And then people started to understand through news media and various things what was going on in countries that they never heard of before. We're more connected. Exactly. So, therefore, it was right in the 1990 spot and then following after Mm. that when we really started to see something happen. And that was the, the anointing, the birth, the proliferation of the national church planting movements around the world. When communism just fell apart and the world religion started to fall apart, the gospel started to be taken over. These were the children, shall we say, the spiritual children of the missionaries who had given birth to them over decades, centuries. And then all of a sudden they were getting a burden for their countrymen. They were starting to be equipped and, 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 and they had plans of reaching their country for Christ. And then all of a sudden these churches started just exploding size. And that was the biggest change in missions that has ever occurred, that transition at that time. So communism, that must have definitely – so my idea of communism, and I might be wrong, is um, it's usually oppressive. Yes. Is that right? So if um, around this time some of these countries are communist countries, are there people in these countries rising up against their government – no. So it had nothing to do with that. It was no. more just a It wasn't a political thing. It was a total spiritual okay. thing. What see. was happening was that people were seeing how empty communism was. Right. You see, communism came on the scene to be the answer to all the problems in the world and that human government would fix everything. And these communist dictators, the Lenins, the Marxists, and um, um, the uh, Mao Zedongs in China, Fidel Castro, Cuba, all these people came on the scene saying, we will set up a political system that will please everyone. It's the utopia of all time, and we will govern ourselves. And um, it just didn't work. Mm -hmm. And it all fell apart. And it fell apart in people's minds. Then in the emptiness of that moment, in the darkness, without hope, so many of these communists and people that were subjected to that, all of a sudden started coming to the Lord. And that's when the communist governments, in fear that they were losing control, started to inflict persecution on the Christians. So it was a reaction. The persecution was a reaction to the success of the church. Okay. So if we're we're talking about how um, things are different, where did the missionaries go that the Western missionaries, are they still here? Are they working with the people? Did they leave after the... All of this happened? The the Western missionaries as a whole, their role started to change a great deal after 91, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And that was because many of these countries were not inviting them in, letting them in anymore to be Westerners on their soil to bring the gospel. Therefore, the countries like the Chinas and the Russias and the various other ones Mm -hmm. like that were starting to put on the brakes. And they were saying, no, no, this isn't going to work. So they started to to stop those missionaries from going there. Now, many of those missionaries, the Western missionaries, mm-hmm. were redeployed to other countries. Right. And there was sort of like a shuffling of the deck, you might say, mm-hmm. to various things. But there was also a, a new new era that was breaking forth for Western missionaries. They had to figure out how to fit into a changing world. Right. And um, many times they they couldn't fit in. And they couldn't fit in because they were uh, used to doing it in a certain way with great freedom, and that wasn't working anymore. Also, the costs were getting very, very high for, for taking people around the world 
and supporting them, transporting them, taking care of Western missionary families. And churches weren't supporting like they used to. So that's been a downward trend ever since Mm -hmm. around 91. And it's been going so that there are fewer Western missionaries in most of the world than there was before. They're still there. No, they're they're still there. They're still there being sent and everything like that. But here's, here's the point that Empower tries to make. It's not that we don't think missionaries are good and valuable, but in the right circumstances. For instance, there are many countries in the world today that do not have a national church, a strong national church. They don't have the gospel at all. I was in Kosovo, um, I tell people this uh, years back, and they had 240 Christians in Kosovo. And this is in Europe, a little country in Europe. There were something like 20 churches for the whole country. And I'm sitting there thinking, these people need missionaries. They need people to go in there and plant the seeds of the national church in that country. But there were other countries at the same time, such as China or um, um, Ethiopia or various other countries like that, where the national church was blossoming, burgeoning. It was growing so quickly. And those were the countries where the Western missionaries had worked themselves out of a job in a good way. And they really didn't need to be around there. So it's, and people think, oh, you're against Western missionaries. No, we're supportive of them in the right conditions, in the right places at the right time. But the one thing that we've learned over the years and this is missions as a whole, is that when Western missionaries go out to do a job, they're only temporary help in a country to get it off the ground. Then they're going to turn the controls and the ministries over to the nationals, the people that live there. And then they have to have at that time an exit strategy. They have to go in knowing there's a day we're going to leave. Ah. That is difficult for most Western missionaries. Um, Tell them about the example of the relationship between the missionaries and the the like the family dynamic I know I I I remember this so well Carrie so I came home I I probably mm-hmm. just sat everybody down because this was a <laughs> revelation to me it was in Burma and uh, the the um the, the the national church leader of the uh, assemblies of god his name was Mio Chit he's passed away now but great guy fantastic understood fully what was going on and so what he did he told me this. He says, there's three ways of looking at the national church and the, the, the role the Western missionary can have with the national church. Number one, it's the father-child relationship. And this is where it began at the beginning, where the father would tell, the Western missionary would be the father here, and the Western missionary would tell the child what to do, and the child would run around doing exactly what dad said to do, all right? right. So there was a domination involved. And for a while... That's okay. You grow You grow into it and you learn, right. okay, it's necessary at a point. That wears thin after a while, especially when that child grows up. Right. And then you get into the um, brother-brother relationship where you try to be equals and you try to work things out together. But uh, as you realize in families, there's always tension with that sort of thing. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it works for a while too, shorter period of time, but it still works. Finally, you get to this, the grandfather grandchild relationship. And this is fantastic. Ah. Grandfather sits in the bleachers. This is an illustration I use. Grandfather sits in the bleachers of the baseball game at the baseball game and he's looking at his grandson playing third base. And grandfather looks down with such pride 
because there's the grandson who who he's nurtured, he's loved, he provides for, he lo- just he's the apple of his eye is down there playing the game. Mm-hmm. He knows his days are numbered. He's going to be going up to see Jesus soon. Mm-hmm. But here he is in the stands cheering him on. And here's the grandson down on the field and he and he leans over to the shortstop and he says, "That's my granddad up there. Mm-hmm. He bought me my bat, he bought me my glove and he says he loves me." And he looks with such fondness at the grandfather simply because the relationship is beautiful. One loves the other, provides for him, helps him to get going in life, and in this case, in ministry. And the other recognizes the help and loves in return. That relationship can go on forever. And there's never a stop to that. And I think the cheering on and the encouraging, that's such a key component to it in that mm-hmm. it's not just a physical helping with just the physical needs, but there's that relationship there. Exactly. And, you know, I know missionaries have told me this, uh, Western missionaries have told me this, that they feel a little bit like, well, we spent all our time here and now they're kicking us out. And it's sort of like they don't appreciate us. And I I think we've got to be big enough to realize that there's a time when the kids have got to go out on their own. Hmm. And it's just like, well, Karis, when you left home, um, there was a time when I had to bite my lip and I had to say, okay, she's going out on her own. I didn't like it, mm-hmm. but I knew it was inevitable. It's hard, but you got to do it. It is. Right. And, 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 there's, and there's this time when uh, we in missions have got to understand that, okay, what can we do? before the Lord, to be of a benefit to the church, the bride of Christ around the world. And the best thing we can do is equip the national ministries, the church planning ministries, with all the tools that they need. But Mm -hmm. we don't need our name on it. We don't need recognition in that way. We need to know that our children that we've given birth to Mm -hmm. through the missionaries are out there doing their job and winning the lost. Winning the lost is all that matters, not who gets the credit. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's actually fantastic. I I think everybody should hear that. Do you tell people that wherever you go in this grandfather? I love it. That's really, really great, actually. But not everybody wants to receive it. Right. Um, Especially for some folks here at home that want to be missionaries, and yeah. they want to go out somewhere in the world. Well, hey, and I they used want to adventure. want to be a missionary. I know, I yeah. know. And I, I totally understand that. But yeah. there's something so powerful in what you're saying about that entire analogy with family. And even more so the idea that not having our names on it, that that's a hard concept for a lot of people. But it's so God-honoring and, and kingdom-building. It's all right there. Modern missionaries have to pick their spots. Right. They've got to pick the countries, the situation, what they can do in the country, um, uh, how they can be successful and support the national church that's already there. Mm-hmm. There's so many factors to take invo- uh, into account now that right. weren't there before. Therefore, it's a new day in missions. And I think, too, the the whole idea of success and what is success yes. for missionaries. And success right. is being able to hand it over to the national church. I know. But, that is success. But yeah. our Western churches as a whole promote no, we're going to send our family out to that country over there like we did 250 years ago. Right. Times have changed. Times have changed. Well, that is fantastic. Uh, it's a new day in missions. Isn't that exciting? This has been another episode of Asked and Answered. And again, if you have a question that you would like Ron and Karis to answer, uh, reach out to ask us at ronpierce.org and maybe you'll have your question answered. I'm Joy Kita. Thanks for listening.